Welcome to Season 5 of the Shock Your Potential Podcast with your host, best-selling author and international speaker, Michael Sherlock. The Shock Your Potential Podcast is dedicated to entrepreneurs looking to up their game, increase their income, and scale their businesses to new heights. Shock Your Potential is a professional services company providing affordable services to small businesses, matching entrepreneurs with virtual assistants, and offering specialized leadership and sales training to companies around the world. Learn more today at shockyourpotential.com and listen in now to another motivating episode that will help you to shock your potential. Thank you for joining us again on another episode of Shock Your Potential. I'm your host, Michael Sherlock, and all month long, we're talking about one of my favorite subjects, and that's marketing. And often we think about marketing from the perspective of how we're using it out there, quote unquote, to attract clients and customers. But my guest today is going to, I think he's going to really challenge us to think about something even, I don't know if it's more important or just at least equally as important, but something that not a lot of us think about from a business perspective. So let me tell you a little bit about him. Brian Brian Adams is the CEO and founder of PH Creative, and he's recognized as one of the leading employer brand agencies in the world. Now, PH Creative specializes in building world-class employer brands, EVP, and talent engagement strategies for companies such as Apple, American Airlines, British Telecom, and Virgin. So think about that. It's building a world-class employer brand, not just that brand towards your customers. Now, Brian is a specialist speaker and a two-time best-selling author of his two books, Getting Goosebumps, and also Give and Get Employer Branding. He's considered a prominent employer brand thought leader, and his creative and unconventional and even sometimes controversial methodologies are said to regularly change the way people think about employer branding and EVP. And I think that's really what made me so excited to talk to him is this is going to, especially in this time of change, uh, the great resignation, the great shift, the great jumping around, that we also need to think about what we're doing to not just maybe have the highest paycheck for somebody, but to really create a brand in our companies that matches our values that's going to lead to excellent customer experiences. So joining me today is Brian Adams. Thank you for being with us today. Oh, my pleasure, Mike. I've been looking forward to talking to you for a while now. And I'll tell you, honestly, all morning, I was like, I'm, I was singing Brian Adams songs just because I was like, I, I got Brian, it's not the Brian Adams, but it is another the Brian Adams. But it was really kind of a fun correlation. My husband's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm interviewing Brian Adams today. He's like, seriously? I'm like, seriously. <laughs> well, I like to think that I'm the real Brian Adams, but um, a lot of uh, restaurants and hotel receptions would also agree with uh, with your husband when they find out that, yeah, I am not that Brian Adams, unfortunately, for a lot of people. I love it, though. Well, Brian, I hit some of the highlights of what you do, but I am really intrigued by this. I love this because I do a lot of work with businesses on corporate culture, and I think that's part of it. But I can't wait to learn about how you look at this differently through employer branding. So tell us a little bit more in your words about you, your business, and how what you do helps businesses to shock their potential. Yeah, absolutely, Michael. So um so PH, we're about 18 years old. Uh, we're a specialist employer brand agency. And we're calibrated to work with um, large global brands with complex talent audiences. 
And what that means uh, essentially to, to our clients and um, our client partners that we work with, you know, today it could be argued that people are the only competitive advantage left in business. Everything else can be bought, can be scaled, can be commoditized, can be automated. But people really make the difference. And we see this at the sharp end, especially in the, the tech space. You know, a company like Apple competing against Meta or Google or Facebook or Netflix, having the best talent in the world makes or breaks the um, the future generations of, of the organization. It affects their stock price. It affects their brand reputation as a whole. So it's incredibly important to be able to attract the best talent. Now, what's really interesting about uh, the space that we occupy is, um, you know, we're all consumers, but, you know, undoubtedly we've probably all done some research and considered our next career move and sort of looked at uh, brands through the eye of, of a potential candidate as well. And what we're finding is in this day and age, there's a significant correlation between how organizations treat their people and brand sentiment across the board. You know, mm-hmm. millennials have reached an age now where they're officially running the world, um, you know, <laughs> and the idea of citizenship is one of the big brand reputation things um, that this generation um, looks for in the, in their next career move. Like if, if you're not a good citizen as an organization, then, mm-hmm. um, you know, if your supply chain isn't looked after, if um, you, you haven't got a green policy or you haven't got even the diversity numbers, all of these things come into, come into play. So we go into organizations we help them define and better articulate their employee experience and shape mm-hmm. a reputation as an employer that's going to help their organization move forward in the direction that they want to go. So many things in what you just said there. I've been taking notes mm-hmm. that I I love. And I think we're seeing so many different iterations of, of what you talked about with citizenship and how a business really not only makes statements, I mean, I I don't know how old you are, but I'm of the day where, you know, companies would hire, you know, somebody to come in and do three-day workshops so they could have their um, mission and values. And then they put it on a plaque and put it on the wall. And that was it. Like, there it yeah. is, you know, mm-hmm. but it wasn't necessarily something that really was aligned to the business. And it wasn't necessarily something that the business strove to actually um, engage in, uh, but it was kind of a, a to-do. And I remember thinking back then, decades ago, like, what is the point of that hanging on the wall? If that's not the experience I have in a, a, as an employee, you know, if I have a boss that's a little corrosive, or if I have, you know, policies that don't make sense and I can't ask questions, right. what does it mean to have a plaque on the wall that says employees are our greatest asset? And so I love the fact that you're talking about helping businesses recognize that it's so much more than that. It's about recognizing why your employees want to come to you because it's not just for a paycheck. It's not that a paycheck doesn't, you know, have impact because it really does. But we're seeing a shift now, especially where people want more, not just flexibility, but they want to know they're working for an employer that makes a difference in the world. That's absolutely right. Um, it is, it's a really important aspect of it, but of course it, it needs to be authentic as well. So mm-hmm. we're yet to go into an organization and not find that thing that makes them unique. Um, you know, and what's interesting about when we, there's a lot of similarities to employer branding and consumer branding. Um, but the biggest difference, 
is a good employer brand should repel more people than it compels. Mm. What I mean by that is we want to galvanize our uh, employees internally around a campfire that makes sense and everybody sort of sees themselves in the proposition and is proud to be able to contribute in a way that sort of matches expectations and um, is worth sticking around for. So we're setting expectations and galvanizing people together. But externally, we're actually looking to polarize the audience because we don't want everybody to apply for, for roles. A, right. we can't give everybody a job. And B, <laughs> our employee experience and our culture isn't right for everybody. You know, it's not about good or bad. It's about whether it's a match or not. Yeah. Um, so so it should polarize. So, so a message that really excites the right type of candidate and causes them to lean in and really want that role or to be part of something that they believe in should also have the majority of people running for the hills. And that might be, oof, that sounds like too much effort for me, or that's not quite the, the team that I'm looking for, or so and so forth. So um, for once, we've got to give our audience a little bit more respect. You know, candidate, candidate audiences are, are smart. They can see through just a linear um, list of, of bragging. It's not just advertising. It's about leaning into the harsh realities and the adversities, the employee experience. And putting them into the context of why you have to um, contribute at a high level in order to achieve and get the things out that you're looking for. So often the difference between why you join an organization and why you stay is, is significant. And um, a lot of the time that's because the expectations aren't appropriately set right from the outset. Yeah. And it makes me think um, back to, again, I'm going back decades because I've lived and worked long enough now that I've seen so many different shifts. But I remember even applying for jobs, you know, in my early 20s, where the person I was interviewing was trying to basically sell me on that organization. Oh, you'll love it here. Oh, we've got this, we've got that. And I always thought that was kind of odd because I was always asking questions of, well, what are your expectations of me? And what does success look like in the first 30 days? And what kind of training do you have? And how do you want to develop me? And I, you know, I'd look at these managers and they'd look at me like, you know, I had antenna growing out of my head. Like, what are you talking about? And by the time I began to manage and lead people, when I would interview people, I almost wanted to all my questions were to tell them what was going to be wrong and horrible about the position, not necessarily about the company, but, you know, about the position like this is going to be really tough. We have high expectations, you know, because I didn't want just anyone to say, oh, that sounds great. I'll take it. I wanted the person to go, holy crap. I don't think that's what I signed up for because if they were in the right match, I didn't want them to six months in go, wait, I didn't know that, you know, this was going to be a, you know, a a high paced, really rapid environment and that I had to be creative or think on my feet. I wanted to be honest, but it's a real, I think this time where people are moving around in positions really forces us as organizations and leaders to stop and say, who are we attracting? And is it as important just to fill a role as it is to try and fill, um, a place where somebody wants to stay and they're not likely to jump again when something else comes at them. That's, that's absolutely right. It's refreshing to hear, um, you know, your approach as well. And I think if, if somebody listens to all of those things and they are still up for the challenge, then mm-hmm. there's a good chance they're going to stick around, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but if we just sell the strengths, benefits and opportunities of an organization and we, 
we don't level with them in terms of, hey, listen, I need to set your expectations. Here's what you will find on the other side of this job interview if you're successful. Um, you know, we, we owe them that because it's a big career decision um, and we owe it to the organization as well to move forward. You know, I've never met anybody that thinks interviewing for a new job is easy. You know, it's like, so, so we've, here we have a group of people that recognize interviewing isn't fun. It's not easy. You know, you don't get every job you go for. And there's also uh, a multi-trillion dollar industry aimed at trying to find people because they, they don't find it easy to, to find the right people. So, so could it be that the thing in the middle, you know, isn't quite optimized or efficient. And a lot of it comes down to, having the clarity and confidence to better set expectations and look at it from a matchmaking perspective, not a, um, a pass or fail perspective. And I think that's a big part of the issue. I love that too, because I think about how many people um, I did. Uh, somebody asked me, I don't know, in the last couple of years to do, well, I was actually doing a lot of different interviews on the media uh, in COVID time about, you know, how do people get back to work and how do they apply for the jobs? And one of them, I, you know, one of the points I've always made is please don't just sit down at Indeed or Monster or LinkedIn and just hit apply for every job because you're doing yourself a disservice and you're doing that organization a disservice. And it's probably not going to pay off for you anyway, because you've got to, you've got to make it personal, but, um, but people, yeah, it's uncomfortable. And I love the idea of matchmaking. I was going to tell you one, a little story though, because long ago I was interviewing for a job and I was interviewing um, with two people. So there were two managers. One was going to be my manager and the other was a manager of the district kind of next. It was a sales position. And so I met these two gentlemen in like kind of a hotel meeting room. So when I, they brought me into the meeting room, sat down and it was a, it was a, uh, you know, a square table or, you know, rectangle table or whatever. So I'm, so there, you know, there was kind of, it was like me on one side and one, you know, on the corner and one directly across from me. And I remember when I sat down, I thought it was so funny because in the middle of the table, there were, uh, there were six glasses and two of them were up, two of them were down and the two facing me were down. So they asked me if I wanted a glass of water. So they poured me a glass of water. So then, so I, I remember it was one of those things. And I remember about 10 minutes into the interview, one of the managers uh, reached in, reached in and took the glass that was upside down and turned it right side up, but didn't fill it up with water. And I was like, I wonder why that happened. And then a couple of minutes later, the other one took the one that was upside down and turned it up. And later after they hired me, I said, all right, what the heck was that about? You know, once I knew them better enough and they both started laughing, they go, that's kind of like our little thing is that with one glass up, one glass down, if we like you, then that's the signal to the other person that we like this. So if we take the one that's upside down and turn it up, oh, we, you know, we've impressed us. If we take the one that's up and put it down, we're like, we're going to make this interview go short. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> but it felt to me after they told me that I thought, actually that was really great because they were communicating together and it was really about, does this person feel like they might be the right fit? You know, do we feel like they might fit with the rest of the team? So a little bit of that matchmaking, but just in a completely different vein. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. I wonder how many of the little routines that people have got when they interview together. Um, But, you know, it's, those things are born out of the fact that most of the time they probably sit in front of people who aren't right. You know, so the 
the percentage of valued applicants and the percentage of valued candidates is usually pretty low because you have candidates applying for roles that they're they're just not going to match. They're not going to find purpose, impact, and belonging in. And organizations are not setting expectations or having the confidence to lean into the harsh realities of, of the roles, uh, mm. therefore reducing the volume of applicants. But everybody wins if you do, because I've never met a TA leader that just wants more volume, more applicants. They want more of the right applicants. Right, exactly. I love it. Well, Brian, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from our sponsor for the month, and we will be right back. Hi, I'm Moira, and I help coaches and consultants get premium value clients using speaking. And I show them how to create a lifestyle of freedom and impact. And over the last seven years, I've been learning everything I could about speaking and what it takes to make offers that people take action on fast. And what I'd like to do is invite you to learn how you can use speaking to fill your business with clients and create an amazing lifestyle in the Dial In Your Destiny Challenge. Over these five days, I'm going to share with you the exact same strategies that I used and my clients used to make six and multiple six figures. There are two ways you can join this challenge as well, not just one. The first one is free and you'll be in the general admission and that'll be awesome. But the second is the VIP experience. And here's the thing. If you want to be a six or seven figure business owner, then you need to start acting like one now. And they always go VIP because they want more than the general public. They want to get more questions answered. And with the VIP experience, you're in a more intimate group where I'll be coaching you exclusively on your specific business situation. Plus, you're gonna be invited to join a special Telegram group that I'll be in direct communication with you throughout the challenge so I can understand your specific situation with speaking and your business. And those of you who can't join VIP, listen, you'll still be invited to the Facebook group and that'll be awesome, but you just won't be in the room where I can do the questions and answers with you. But you'll still be in the room, right? For those of you who are looking to get more intimate, you'll really want to be in that VIP and I look forward to seeing you there. Listen, you're going to be able to walk away from this challenge with the exact strategies that you can start implementing in your business so you can use speaking to get qualified leads, connect with your audience in such a way that they want more. And more means filling your business, your programs with awesome clients. So click on the link below and I look forward to seeing you there. And we are back with Brian Adams of PH Creative. And I want to dive a little deeper into the marketing side of this and really creating, you know, a brand um, commitment to attracting and retaining the right people in an organization. So tell me a little bit about, you know, you talked a little bit about working with clients and helping them undercover, uh, uncover what makes them special and unique and what their value proposition is. But how do you help a company then you know, pull that through. So it's not just a, you know, kind of at the hiring and engaging process, but it really becomes something that becomes enmeshed within the entire organization. Yeah. So, well, you mentioned something earlier, Michael, you know, some organizations have a vision, mission and values that are on the wall and people walk past them every day. Some organizations make business decisions every day based on those values. They have guiding mm -hmm. principles and they live and breathe they make decisions as to whether it takes them further to that vision or, or, or closer to that vision. Those organizations are fantastic to work with because even though their culture and their working um, employee experience might be organic and it's not defined yet, 
the foundation is strong and you find a lot of congruence and common themes right the way through an organization. So it's it's a joy to work with those organizations. The organizations that, that, that don't have that, it's a little bit harder because there's more foundational aspects to work with. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's it's not uncommon for us to say, hey, we think these are your values, actually. And you know, here's how they're showing up. Um, we think these behaviors are helping your organization. We think these behaviors aren't. And here's what we think is missing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, over the over the last few years, we've worked with a couple of companies and we've had to do the research and come back and say, hey, you guys are really nice. We think <laughs> you're too nice. <laughs> I love that. Like you're too nice. People yeah. are walking all over you. <laughs> but, but what's interesting is people aren't giving people great feedback. They're not communicating mm-hmm. clearly. Uh, career progression is stagnating. Um Meetings seem to go on forever with lots of people in them because people don't want to talk over each other or stop people or, you know. So a number of times we've introduced the concept of um, of radical candor or things of that nature. So it's it's authentic because it's it's a gap. It's not authentic because it's something that exists. And I find that fascinating as well. So the majority of organizations that we're working with Nike at the moment, and um, they are very mission driven organization every every teammate as they call they don't call them employees they call them teammates right exactly um they they know why they're there and they find purpose and meaning in their work often it bleeds into their social life and just who they are as a person it's very congruent organization it's going to be a privilege and probably one of the biggest challenges of my career in the agency to articulate something for an organization so well defined as nike right but but the secret sauce uh, is finding something that resonates and fits into what already exists. So 99% of what we do is about aligning the organization together so everything makes sense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from a marketing point of view, certainly through COVID and Black Lives Matter and, you know, civil unrest and everything else we've been through the last few years, the best marketing dollars have been talking about investing in telling the stories about the people behind the brand about mm-hmm. the employees that make the thing that you buy and you know so mm-hmm. so much and, so and, so. and and as a result we're seeing a little bit of a shift in power where smart marketing is starting to harness employer brand um, yeah. because brand is nothing more than the endeavor to humanize a corporate entity that's what it is so why not tell stories about the people um you know it's a massively underleveraged opportunity to galvanize these two things together and fortunately we're seeing it more and more now you know i totally agree i have a really good friend um so i live in philadelphia now i know you're in california but i used to i grew up in uh, spokane washington and i have a very good friend who owns a uh, a marketing company there and they work with a couple very large well-known brands in that market and um and so two things that they've done, one is with a credit union, they continue to tell the stories of their customers. And so they highlight their customers, which gives this dual, you know, a benefit of, you know, telling their story and marketing and branding their customers, but talking about their loyalty to the credit union and what it meant in the growth of their business. But another one they work with is this uh, chain of uh, barbershops. 
And so they tell the story of all the barbers who work in the barber shops. And, you know, some are old, you know, the old guys that have, you know, barbers for decades and some are the, you know, newer guys and they're all tattooed up and, and the stories are just beautiful. And to your point, I never thought about that really connecting also back to the business and why you'd, you know, why that would bring joy to the employees to feel like, hey, we're really being highlighted or we're truly saying that our customers matter because look, we're putting effort behind it and we're telling the story and we're wrapping it all together with a nice little bow. Absolutely. And, you know, if you take the give and get approach, which is our philosophy of employer branding, which is don't just talk about what you get, but talk about what you have to give as well. Um, it gives freedom and it gives license to employees and teammates to tell the truth. So first of all, they're willing advocates. They don't feel like they're just a puppet or being made to say nice things. Um, but quite often, the quickest way to find the source of passion and pride in your own career or inside an organization is to talk about something that was started out as a problem or a challenge or a, a crisis or a this or a that, where you were up against it, you know, and there was significant adversity. But how your people galvanized around you, how you got out of your comfort zone and learned something new, how you were pushed to develop skills and so on and so forth, is a great hero's journey story that people don't mind telling and audiences love to hear. Um, but it's also a very good insight into what it might feel like to be part of that team. And that's where the magic happens. It's authentic. It's useful. And it's a great signpost or an indicator as to whether that's a place for you or not. So, so that's a big part of our approach. Yeah, I'd love, and that's so true because that's so archetypal, you know, about what hero is, you know, what's the journey they had? What was their yeah. adversity? How did they, you know, band together to to uh, to achieve it and thus create a greater sense of community in the end with it? It's beautiful. I love that. And one of the things I was going to say, I've actually done some work with Nike as well, and I've been very fortunate. I love their approach to teammates, for instance. But what I really appreciate of a brand like that is that they're willing to continually look at what they're doing. You know, so there's a lot of there are also big global brands that say, here's what we are. This is what we do. And we're just going to keep doing it. But one of the reasons that, you know, I think some of these big brands continue to evolve as they're willing to also step back and say, okay, are we still on track? Are we still making the right decisions? You know, let's have some outside perspective because it can be very easy to get uh, laser focused on where you are and what successes you've had and not recognize when you still need to make course corrections along the way. That's, that's so right. Um, and what's interesting about Nike, I, I wrote about them in, in my book before they came on as a client. You know, so it's, I, I had a physical published proof that I was already a fan of their brand, thankfully. But, but Nike is probably one of the only brands I can think of where they have the conviction to polarize a consumer audience mm -hmm. because of what they believe. And they are authentic and truly aligned, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and they are the example because it works. By, by having the conviction to polarize your audience based on what you believe, you're making it absolutely clear who you are and what you believe in, what you stand for, and the value you, you gain if you start to identify um, with that brand and, and you know, sort of buy, buy into it uh, spiritually as well as just buying the physical products. Right. So, you know, it's fantastic what they've what they've done and um, you know, it really does encapsulate what employer branding is, is, is all about and the connection between the two. 
And what you said there too is something that I have reinforced with a lot of people is that not every customer should be your customer. Absolutely. You know? right. Because yeah. if you're just going after every customer, then you don't have a true customer. You're just trying to get everybody, but there are some people you don't want to do business with or that you shouldn't do business with just because if you're not aligned, it's not going to be a synergy that's going to end up with a positive end result. It might, but the likelihood of it of it all the time is very, very low. And making sure you're doing the business with the right people that are aligned to your company brand also proves to your employees that you you have a commitment to something even when it gets tough. Yeah, absolutely. And they say, you know, true character is revealed under pressure. And I think we've seen that over the last few years, the pandemic and, you know, the volatility that's had on the economy. Organizations have chose to treat their people with dignity and respect. Other organizations have chose to fire thousands of people via text message or a two minute Zoom. And, you know, <laughs> you look at the likes of Airbnb that, you know, Brian Chesky, obviously has a great deal of empathy and compassion and respect for um, his, his people. And he really invested in the alumni and like the experience and explaining the context. In a moment of, of business weakness, their brand sentiment went up, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, that for me demonstrates the value of employer brand authenticity and true alignment. Mm-hmm. I agree. I love it. Brian, I love what you do. We're going to have all of your contact information on our show notes, including the links to your books. But just in case somebody doesn't want to wait that long to look up the show notes, what's the best way for them to find you? So you can go to ph-creative.com uh, or I'm active on LinkedIn. Search for ph-creative and Brian Adams on LinkedIn. You'll come across me and I'd be happy to connect. I love it. Now, before we go, even though you've already shared a lot of wisdom, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? So I guess a general sort of point to think about. um, We work with a lot of global organizations. And when I talk about it, sometimes the misconception is this is for just big businesses. Mm -hmm. Employer brand doesn't have to be sophisticated. It doesn't have to be expensive. It just needs to be clear and thought through. And you can never define your employee experience soon enough. So even small business owners, I would employ you to think about this and intentionally design the culture you want, because it's much easier to scale something you want than change something that you don't much later down the line. Yes, I agree so much. Brian, thank you so much. It was fascinating. I'm so absolutely glad we connected and that we had you on. You have been an incredible guest for us today. Thanks, Michael. The pleasure was mine. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com, including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more, how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees, and sales mixology, why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today.